Hello and welcome to another episode of My Soccer Story. My name is Joshua Dorn. Thanks for joining me as I talk to people from across the world of soccer to learn about their journey and what the sport means to them. My guest today is Duke and U.S. Women's Youth National Team forward Kat Rader. Kat has been part of the national team setup since the U14 level and is in her second season at Duke. Our conversation covered everything from the importance of the 2015 World Cup to Kat's soccer career to why she chose Duke and what she's learned from being with the youth national team. Sit back, relax, and listen as Kat Rader shares her soccer story. Joining me now is Duke women's soccer team striker, goal scorer, extraordinaire, Kat Rader. Kat, thank you so much for taking some time to share your soccer story. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Really looking forward to this. The first thing I always like to ask is, where do you feel like your soccer story began? When did you first get introduced to the sport, first get interested in the sport, and kind of get drawn to soccer? Yeah, so I have two older siblings, um, an older brother and older sister, and my parents always just like put us in a bunch of like YMCA rec sports. We played basketball, soccer, I did gymnastics. Um, they just kind of put us in like a lot of different things to keep us occupied and we're a big sports family. So I started playing when I was four, just a YMCA team. I think I was on the same team as my older sister and my mom was the coach or something. Um, but like I said, I was also playing a lot of other sports. Um, so I don't think I really, obviously at four, you're not thinking about playing in college or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I just like played, I think I played at the YMCA rec for probably four years. And then I played a year with a boys team when I was eight. And then when I was nine, I played for my first, um, that's when I started like travel soccer. Um, uh, I played for my first like girls travel team and I don't think it was at that time I was still doing competitive gymnastics and I was kind of I was really probably more passionate about that um, than I was about soccer but I obviously really liked soccer at the time I was also playing lacrosse too so I was kind of like in a lot of different sports I feel like um, most kids are in that um, just in a lot of different things um, and then when I was I think I was 10 years old. I went to the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup uh, in 2015. And so after that World Cup is when I um, really kind of locked in on soccer, I guess. And I like quit gymnastics, quit lacrosse and was like, this is what I want to do. Because um, so, just like seeing those, um, the national team and getting to experience that like up close and personal was really, really special for me. Um, and that was just the point where I kind of like had a mindset shift of this is something I really want to do um, and something I think I maybe could be good at. Um, and then from that point on, it's just been all soccer and just, yeah, see where it takes me and I'm really happy with how far it's got me and everything. What about that World Cup in particular do you feel like really convinced you that soccer was what you wanted to do? You mentioned just kind of the 
the overall atmosphere of the tournament? Was there something in particular or a memory that stands out to you about your experience as a spectator at that tournament? Um, I think it was just like seeing how I went to the two, the first two group stage games, um, and then obviously followed them throughout the rest of the World Cup from home. I think it was just being like in the stadium and watching them warm up, watch how like passionate and just motivated they were. And I think the 2015 World Cup was the first. It was so close to the U.S. that there were so many U.S. fans there. So I think just seeing how many people were passionate about the team and then seeing how passionate the team was like within their team. Um just like hearing the national anthem play and like I could visualize myself like wanting to be on that field one day. I obviously haven't I at the time I wasn't able I never went to the Olympics and watched like gymnastics or anything. So maybe if I would have done that, maybe I would have wanted to be a gymnast or something. But I think just go like immersing myself in that culture um, and being able to watch that team play and then going back home and continuing to watch them throughout the tournament. And then they obviously won the whole thing. I think it was just really, really cool to after they won it, seeing how like how big of a deal that was because we hadn't won since 99. Um and kind of being like I was able to watch them in person um, was really cool. What specifically changed for you in your career coming out of that tournament when you decide this is this is what I want to do? This is my goal. Well, like I said, at the time, I was still playing gymnastics and lacrosse um, also not like super I was gymnastics was competitive, but lacrosse was just kind of for fun. Um, And so I think like the biggest change was I was like, mom, dad, like I want to just play soccer Um, because it was getting hard. Like I would have games and competitions all on the same weekends and I would sometimes have to miss certain things. So after that, I was kind of like, I want to do that just soccer. Um, so that was like, I think the first big change, the second big change is I just sort of start started like practicing a lot on my own. Cause I kind of realized, I, I feel like I probably went down like a national team rabbit hole and watched like all YouTube videos and stories about the players. And one thing that stood out to me was how, um, hard they had to work out, like on their own. Cause at the end of the day, I think a club environment can only give you so much. Um, so I really just started um, working a lot on my own on just different things like technical stuff with the ball, shooting, finishing, just certain things that like the club environment can't give you. Um and I think as years went on, I started to make more sacrifices like when I was, I think I was 13, I started playing almost two hours away from where I actually live. Um, cause that was where the best, um, team and league was. So that was something me and my parents and family decided that would be the best next step for me. And so from 13 until I was 18 and left for college, I had been playing like basically about an hour and 45 minutes away from where I live. Um, and going down, going down there, uh, three to four times a week. So that was a big sacrifice, but it was just something I realized that I needed to do if this was going to be my goal. It's not too long 
after even you go to the World Cup and definitely after you you make that transition to the the best club, best situation for you, that you're getting called into U14, U15 youth national teams. What was the beginning of that like for you when you're first getting to go to those camps? And the other thing I'm curious about is how did you sort of handle and balance the the pressure and the expectations that come with being in such an intense environment at such a young age? Yeah, so I think when I went to the World Cup and maybe until I was like 12 or 13, I didn't even really realize there were youth national teams. I kind of just thought it was just the full team. And when you're old enough and good enough, they just kind of call you up there. Um, and I think when I was 13, I had a teammate who was a year older than me, went to a national uh, youth team camp. And so I was kind of like, whoa, like that's a thing. I didn't really know that was a thing. And so the next year was when my age group started. Um, and I didn't get called into, I think, the first three camps for my age group. And that was like pretty disappointing, even though like in the grand scheme of things, you're so young, it doesn't really matter that much. But in, at, in the moment, it was a big deal for me. And, you know, the tears were coming down and I was really upset, but I was like, I'm so young. I, I am still in a good spot. I'm playing for a good team. I just got to keep like working towards that. And then when I finally did get called into my first camp, I was so excited. Obviously, it's um like something I had been working for for the past probably I would say the past three years. Like I'd really been working towards that um, without even maybe knowing it was like a thing. Um but it was really exciting. Um, I don't know. I feel like at that age, I didn't really feel a lot of pressure. Um, just because, I don't know, I feel like you're young and you, like you still have so far till you're in college or so far till you're anywhere close to the full team. Um, so I don't think pressure really affected me. I still feel like I was just kind of trying to um just like continue to improve each day and um yeah I don't know that I really felt too much pressure at 13 and 14 but it definitely like grew as I got older but I'm really thankful that I was able to get called into those camps and because I think that going into those camps at a young age teaches you a lot and I think it really helps you as you continue to um like grow throughout the youth teams or even grow throughout everything, everything else like really. What do you feel like specifically about the U14, U15 level was really helpful for you? And I was just thinking about in the, in terms of you know, the people you're going to class with every day are just, you know, doing what 14 year olds do. And here you are in camps yeah. to represent the United States. It just kind of that, even just the social dynamic of that, of your life was just so different than your peers in school or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing was um, getting me into an environment where I saw other girls who were a lot like me um, in terms of their desire to play for the full national team. Because I think when you're... Um, like young and in club, not everyone has those same goals as you. And you might like say, I want to play for the full national team one day. And everyone's kind of like, yeah, so do I, you know? Um, 
but once I got into those youth camps, everyone was like so locked in on that goal just as much as I was. And so I think these are girls from, I'm from Florida. There were girls from California, girls from Colorado, all over the country. Like, so I think it was really cool to see so many other people who had that same passion and drive to go out and practice on their own. And I think it just pushed me that much more to realize like how big the country is and how many girls there are who are really, really good. Um, and so I think it just continued to push me and help me want to like keep going out and practicing on my own and keep getting better. Cause I know that there's someone else who is too. When you get a little bit further in your career, you're starting to think about colleges making a college decision. What was the recruiting process like for you? There are some players I would have to imagine are just hoping for an opportunity somewhere, a D1 scholarship offer. When you're in youth national team setups like you were consistently, I have to imagine, and you know all the rankings and stuff, people knew who you were because you were like you said, playing with the best of the best and that kind of thing. So I feel like you're, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like your recruiting process was a little bit different. So how, what was that part of it like for you as you're making a, a choice about where to go to college and ultimately why Duke? Um, yeah, so I think my recruiting process was definitely a lot different than what it looks like now. I think now you can't talk to coaches until um, before, right before your junior year. And I was talking to coaches, I think, made the end of my like eighth grade year of middle school which is crazy to think about honestly um but yeah the recruiting process just kind of started like um as my team started to go to showcases I think that was the big big thing um coaches would come out and watch showcases and then they still technically couldn't contact you directly but they could contact you through a coach or um things like that so my coach started reaching out to me um and putting me in contact with different colleges. And I think I was so young, it's crazy to, and it feels like forever ago, but when I got on calls with coaches, I just wanted to like really connect with them. I think that was the biggest thing for me because um, like Robbie and Kieran and Carla and Lane, I see them every single day. Um, so I really wanted to make sure that these are people that, that care about me as a person. And I really felt like I connected with. Um, so I think that was a big thing about why I picked Duke was obviously um, I didn't want to stay in Florida. So um, FSU, I wanted to play in the ACC. I knew that um, I didn't want to stay in Florida. So FSU was off the table. Plus my whole family are Gators. So that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, and I think with Duke, I love the academic side of things. Um, I think it's really important that um, I was at a school that was both academically and athletically challenging me. But then more than that, like I said, I just really connected with the coaches and felt like they wanted me um, as a person just as much as they wanted me as a player. Um, and I think within our team now, you can really just feel that like everyone was recruited based on that ideal. Like I'm just feel like I'm surrounded by great humans and people that really care about each other. And um it's just a very family environment, which is really special. Now that you're somewhat into your Duke career, you've got some games, a season under your belt. When you look back now, how do you feel like being in that national team 
setup, being in those camps from such a young age helped with the transition specifically to college? Because I've talked to other players and they bring up this idea that it really kind of simulates a college environment in terms of the tactical stuff, watching film that you may not necessarily get in another, whether it's a club situation or you might not see as much until you get to college. Do you feel like you kind of had a, a leg up or that being part of that national team set up through the years helped you be able to transition in a more smooth way when you got to do? Yeah, for sure. Um, when you're in national team camps, you have pre-training meetings, um, evening meetings. Like you said, we go over film. Um, and club, you don't really get that. It's more like they'll they film everything. I feel like most club teams do that now, and national team does that, obviously. But um, in club, it was more like, here's the link to the game or here's the link to training. Um, but it was not normally an organized like group meeting or not we didn't have pre-training meetings but in college we have pre-training meetings we have video review we have pre-game meetings like all that that um national team camps did have so I definitely think coming into college I was kind of prepared for that structure and then like in terms of on the field I think the intensity in a national team camp is very similar to college because um uh, Duke in the ACC has the best players in the country and that's what a national team camp was. Um, so I think both on and off the field and kind of on field preparation and off field preparation was very, there was a lot of overlap. I think that definitely helped me. When you start making kind of this, it's not even technically a transition, but going back and forth between Duke and the national team, you know, U 20 level, things like that. What are some of the challenges that come with that? Because I feel like it can be something that gets overlooked where you're coming into right different coaches, maybe a different system, asked to play a different role. You see so many of the full national team players are playing a completely different position than they play at the club level in the NWSL. So I'm just curious, what has your experience been like from that side of it, of going back and forth and kind of having to adjust to whatever role you're in at that moment in time? Yeah, um, I think sort of at Duke and on the national team, I kind of float between all like all three of the forward positions. Um, and so I've kind of learned to be able to pay attention to when the coach is talking about both the nine or the seven and 11 and kind of making sure I'm aware of like both roles, even though I might be starting in one position, knowing that I could definitely be playing in another position at a different time um and so I think I had I did that at Duke in the fall and then as I was going to camps in the spring I was also being put in both those positions so I was kind of used to like looking at two different roles and I think systems like systems of play are different from Duke to the national team we play different ways but I think there's a general understanding of the game that I feel like doesn't change no matter where you are. Um, so I think as I was, I just try and like immerse myself in wherever I am. And like I said, there's lots of meetings about um, tactics and things like that. So it's, I would say easier to adjust because you're given like all the information you need to, and you just have to apply it. And like I said, there's a lot of overlap, so it's easier to, 
I'd say it's easier to adjust than you might think it is. Interesting. Okay. And you hit on something I really wanted to ask you, which is how is it different from a an approach standpoint for you, whether you're playing out wide or through the middle? Because I do feel like they are two positions that are more different than people give them credit for. And I watch Sophia Smith just go between them seamlessly. And my mind is blown at how she does that and looks so comfortable at both of them. And, and you're kind of the same way that it, it doesn't really matter. And I just feel like that's an incredibly difficult thing to master. So what is that like for you when you might be starting a game in one position and have to move to another one or, you know, whether it's Duke versus national team in a certain situation, I'm just curious how you approach those two roles because there are some major differences. Yeah. Um, I think I am, have always been a type of player that loves to like make runs in behind and so I think that's definitely something, a quality that I try and keep no matter the position I'm in, whether it's a nine or the seven or 11. I think runs in behind is something that's always kind of like separated me, my like movement to get in behind the back line. But I think the different, the biggest difference, I think, between the 11, which is primarily where I'm playing now and the nine, um, would just be, I feel like with the 11, I'm facing up the defenders a lot more. And so making sure I'm, have dialed in my like um 1v1s facing the defender whereas as as a nine if I'm getting the ball to my feet it's primarily facing backwards so more making sure my layoffs are good my first touch from a ball from the center backs or a midfielder is good um I think my runs don't change they might change a little bit but um like runs in behind the back line are normally pretty um similar no matter where you are on the field it's just like finding the gaps that the defenders give you um but I would just say the biggest difference is when you're receiving the ball to feet whether you're facing the defender or back to the defender how challenging is it for you to work on both of those simultaneously where you would want as much right 1v1 you know ability to whether that's first touch or just making sure that you're you're able to do what you want there and then also like you said, you know, hold up play, laying the ball off. Those are both kind of full-time jobs in and of themselves almost. How do you balance trying to keep both of those sharp because you're going to, you know, potentially need to use both of them in the same game? Yeah, I think um, as far as in, like the positioning of the nine, I think I get a lot of that in training um, just with like passing patterns we do. It's a lot of one touch working on your first touch and just things like that. I think that apply mostly to the nine and then, in terms of 1v1, that's something that um, I will go out to the field on my own and work on certain, just work on like the same shot, dribbling, beating a defender and getting a shot off. Um, just because that's, we don't really do a ton of that in training just because it's more focused on tactics and team oriented stuff where that's pretty individual. So just making sure that any day that I have off where I feel good and my legs aren't too heavy, just going out to the field and getting those extra reps from that position, even if it's just for 30 minutes and I take 30 or 40 shots, um, just working on that. And then I think, like I said, first touch and um, layoffs and things like that, I can get a lot of in training just through passing patterns and different stuff like that. Now that you're, a little bit farther into your Duke career, you've got a season of experience. What do you feel like you learned or took away 
from last season that as you're entering in and, and beginning this season, you want to apply or kind of change your approach or whatever it might be that you got that introduction last season. What are you kind of carrying forward with you in this season? Um, I would say maybe more of like a mental side of the game. I think the um, actual output like on the field is just something that's um, the intensity you just kind of get used to. You know, um, I think my first few games in college last year, it was kind of like, whoa, this is really different. But I think now after a whole season and a couple games, I'm the intensity is always there, but I think I've definitely adjusted to it and I'm much more comfortable at that speed now. But I think... Um, in terms of like the mental side of the game, just knowing that it's a really long college season. There's a lot of games, there's a lot of ups and downs and kind of just um, maybe like being content with where I am and where our team is and like trusting the process and trusting that we play a lot of games. We still have a lot of season left. And, and there's, I think last year I, got caught up on a lot of little things because I'm a fr- I was a freshman and I didn't know that it's such a long season and I didn't score in a game and I'd be like oh like I'm playing bad even though I'm not um so just like not getting caught up on the little things and just like trusting the process of the long season that college is the final thing I want to ask before we start wrapping up as a goal scorer how do you for lack of a better term stay hungry and continue to attack and make runs in behind. And obviously you're trying to help your team win, but I look Mm -hmm. at somebody like Erling Holland and I don't know if I have ever seen somebody so obsessed with scoring goals. He'll, he'll have a hat trick and he'll talk about how he should have five. And I feel like that's part of what makes him so good. And you have to have that ruthlessness about you as a striker. Do you feel the same way? How do you try and, create that so that you are putting pressure on the defense for 90 minutes, no matter what is happening in a game. Yeah. Um, I feel like I never have to, I'm never not hungry to score goals. I think, like you said, it's just like an obsession and just like a feeling of I score one and I'm like, Oh, I could, I could get another. I don't know. There's something about scoring. That's just so like exciting and it's like one of the probably the biggest reason I love to play is scoring goals so I don't think I'll ever get sick of scoring especially in college it's um so much more fun than it was in club scoring in practice or wherever is awesome it's scoring no matter what's awesome but there's something about playing in front of more fans and in a stadium and um knowing that your goal song is going to play after you score and it's just, it's a really exciting feeling. And so I don't think I'll ever get sick of that. And um, no matter if I'm tired or it's the first minute of the game, I think just the willingness to make those extra runs to score the goal will, um, I think, always be there. That is spoken like a true striker. (laughs) Very well said. (laughs) Final three questions I always end on. The first one, how do you feel like soccer has impacted you as a person and shaped you as a person off the field? Um, I think it's taught me two things, discipline and um, time management for sure. I think uh, you probably hear that from most college athletes. Uh, Time management is a big thing that you learn and not even just in college. I think all throughout high school, like I said, playing two hours away, um, 
I often was doing my homework in the car and just different things like that. Knowing I'm going to be away for a tournament, I have to get my homework done or study in a hotel or whatever it may be. So definitely time management. And then in college, um, even more so traveling, missing class, having to reach out to professors, talk, things like that. Um, and then I think discipline, I think you learn throughout all sports, you know, you're a part of a team and there's a lot of, um, standards within our team and it just teaches you to be disciplined and work hard, um, stay focused on like whatever goals you set for yourself and then also team goals. Um, uh, yeah. So those would be my two biggest things, I think. Very nice. Second question. What are, as you look back on your career so far, what are some of the the highlights or the favorite memories you have up to this point? Um, I think every, any memory I have with the national team is really special, especially when I get to play in games. When I was, I think I was 14, I went to U15 CONCACAF and we won it. And that was really, that was probably my first like surreal moment where I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Um, and then I think honestly, so there's so many different college memories, like, um, when we beat Virginia in the ACC semi or ACC quarterfinals last year was a really special game. Um, scoring my first goal in college was really, really awesome. I don't know. There's, I think, just any big college with any big wins in college, I think, are really special. Um, and then any moment I get to represent the national team against another country is really special too. And final question, Kat, what does your soccer story mean to you? Um, I think my soccer story is really special. Um, I'm obviously someone outside of soccer, but soccer is a big part of who I am. And I'm really thankful for everything it's taught me and every opportunity it's given me. It's allowed me to meet, you know, my best friends. And um, yeah, it's just really it's really awesome to me that I've gotten to see so many cool places and meet so many cool people. Um, and then also go out on the field every single day and play a game that brings me a lot of joy. And it's kind of just like a release for me for, from everything else. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share yep. your soccer story, Kat. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again to Kat for taking the time to chat. Be sure to subscribe to my soccer story, wherever you listen to podcasts. The video version of each My Soccer Story episode is available on the Touchline Talk YouTube channel, and there's a written version at touchlinetalksoccer.com, so check those out as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.